Lingua Britannica is a podcast that uses ethnographic interviews to study language use in the extreme metal community. We are studying a music scene known for its love of themes and topics generally considered offensive, and it is likely that some episodes will touch on topics or opinions some listeners may find tasteless or ethically problematic. Ethnographic researchers aim to adopt the interviewee's point of view so that we can draw out and study the attitudes, beliefs, and practices that are important to them. We want to make it clear that in presenting these conversations here, we do not endorse any of their content. Our aim is to explore the thought processes behind language use in this long-running international and yet understudied scene. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lingua Britannica with me, Jess Crook, and my co-host Wes Robertson. Hello. Today we're joined by Katie Davies of People Slicer. Thanks for chatting to us. And how are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Been very busy. Uh, we just finished festival season, so uh, yeah. finally good to be home. It's like a three-day bank holiday weekend, so very much needed. <laughs> uh, but it's not really quiet because I'm in the middle of writing the next album as well because we're going in the studio in like four weeks for that so we'll finish that yeah it was very a, busy you were just on tour around most of europe right is that correct oh uh, we didn't do it we did uh we only went to prague uh okay. for the show, um, oh nice the rest yeah. in the UK. okay so uh, if somebody had uh, never heard People Slicer's music before, uh, so obviously not the people that came to the shows, um, how would you describe it to them? Is there a genre you'd fit under or kind of what, what would be a general, assuming they have some kind of background in metal? Um, it is quite hard to pin on it. I think the majority mass core influences, so like Dillinger Escape, Planting Converge and Botch, um, that it's got, there's a bit of sort of death metal riffage in there. There's a bit of post-metal there's a bit of shoegaze. It's uh, yeah, quite a wide spectrum. So maybe like just like post metal slash mathcore. What kind of attracted you to the style? Did you begin by listening to uh, mathcore? Uh, the first thing I heard was Death Heaven. Um, so the post black metal was where I got in, and then for some reason someone said, "If you like that, try this," and sent me Jane Doe. Okay. <laughs> and uh, uh. So, yeah, it was sort of like Mask on post black metal world where I came in and they've been my favourite like subgenre since then. So sort of comes through in the music I write. Was there anything in particular that really drew you to those specific genres? And for, for the post black metal, I, mm. I just listened to um, Sun Bather without really knowing what it was going to be like. I'd heard people say it was sort of similar to Godspeed You, Black Emperor, and like post-rock, which I was into at the time. So, and then it got, I got to like the song Vertigo and the album, and I was like, oh, yes, it's a bop. It's got, it's got all the nice bits. And then that's sort of what broke the thing of, because the screaming's so low in the mix on that album. I was like, oh, it's actually quite a nice sort of just textual element. And then that sort of let me get over being like, oh, why are these people shouting? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then uh, Jane Doe was just like, once that was unlocked, everything was like, oh my God, this is amazing. With, so like, just the intensity of like mathcore and like, because I'd, I'd heard a couple of Dinner Escape Plan songs before, didn't like the screaming, but I thought the instrumentation was cool. 
So then once I got past the block of being like, oh, why are they screaming? I was like, oh, actually, this is amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it was just the first things I got into and then nothing else really scratched that. Nothing else, like, was as intense as, like, the hardcore punk attitude of, like, metalcore bands. Because uh, you get, like, heavier. You go, like, more brutal with, like, death metal or you can go, like, riffier. But I just liked the sheer, just intentionally disorientating elements of the metalcore. So were the lyrics initially for you, or the singing initially for you, just kind of that texture, or were you interested in kind of what they were saying and and the content of the screams uh, once you got past the screaming early on? In terms of listening to other people's or my... Uh, in terms of other people's, like before you started um, being a, a vocalist yourself, did you uh, pay attention to much what was being screamed? Um, it's a mixed bag. A lot of the time... I didn't, but then for my favourite bands, I would look up the songs and I'd be like, oh, these are fantastic, and I'd learn the words. And um, those those bands like Converge and uh, Death Heaven have quite like emotional lyrics, but then uh, Dinder Escape had sort of just play words that sound good. Or at least as far as, I know there's, there's more depth to it, but a lot of the earlier stuff is just sort of, it doesn't seem like there's as much depth to it, but it's still, it, it's finding the stuff that sounds good in the context of the song. And then um, when I got into like Black Dahlia Murder, uh, Trevor's just fantastic for writing stuff that's like entertaining to read, sounds fantastic in its placement and is delivered really well. So it's got like everything picked. So it, it was a mixed bag. I think, there are definitely bands where I'm like, oh yeah, that's fun. Like Mouth Breathers' first two EPs, like I know those vocals aren't delivered in a proper way, and they had stopped doing them because they were trying to throat. But the delivery on that is fantastic. And, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of stuff where specifically the vocals draws me to it. Um, but then at the same time, I'm I'm like weird. I don't really like sort of white chap gingery sort of really low death core vocals because they just don't do anything for me so hmm. I think I'm quite picky with I think what, what I'm into so was there anything about like the lyrical content that stuck out to you as like oh like this is like you know this makes for good metal lyrics um I think there's multiple approaches you can take to it I like death heaven sort of uh more vague and like clearly emotional in the delivery but the lyrics quite vague and you can sort of attach whatever meaning you want to them uh and then converge is very raw and like straight to the point about but it's still like i think one of my favorite parts is you can draw your own meanings from the lyrics regardless of what the artist intended it to be about Mm -hmm. and then um like Nine Inch Nails is another example where it's like incredibly raw and direct but because of that you can just straight away connect with the emotion there behind the lyrics and find, and connect it to something in your life um, so yeah I think I like where there's room to sort of add your own stuff but then uh, they're, they're you know, the artist's intention doesn't have to be what people are getting out of it. I think you need to leave room when writing for people to get what they want out of what you've written. 
So, I mean, you mentioned like bands like Black Dahlia Murder um, and Trevor's Lyrics, who I, I'm, I've all been a huge fan for a long time of the way that, that kind of he approaches as well. But what, what elevates that to kind of the, the level of being good metal lyrics versus, you know, I mean, we've all heard a, a, a metal song that's about horror and gore, which is just kind of like gross or just like, you know, cringy. Uh, what, what, what takes it up to that level where it, it becomes something like, oh, this is enjoyable to read despite being horrific uh, in the way that kind of Black Dahlia does? I think it's uh, having a good ba balance with the metal lyrics of like campy over the top. Like you, you've got to go properly over the top and still retain like a sense of humor about doing it, um, mm. and, and just make an entertaining thing to read. You use words like carcass, like just going through a dictionary and finding funny words you've never heard that you have to go and look up. Um, and I think it's it is originality in like approaching thing like uh, like uh, cat decapitation have their whole gimmick of like swapping the places of humans and animals and stuff like that, but like finding something that makes it not just uh, not just the same bog standard stuff of like oh I'm killing some people or whatever. I mean I don't really like. <laughs> lyrics like that anyway um but the metal lyrics yeah there's definitely um you need to have uh yeah just to, just have fun with it i think i think you can have bands which don't have enough fun like when you're doing the really gory lyrics if you don't do it with like a sense of fun to it it's like mm. just a bit boring um then there's that oh i can't remember the name of it but the uh, there's like the the band that's just like bass and drums. Uh, lightning bolt, like really not lightning bolt. No, like a really horrific sounding sort of brutal death oh. project. Um, and it's, it's like called like something raping the child or something. I can't remember. Uh, that might not be it, but like, that might be a song title. But it's just like horrific, horrible lyrics and like the worst thing you've ever heard. And it sounds like funny at first because the vocal delivery is like snorting and stuff uh, and then you read the lyrics it was like the most horrific thing ever and I think that's another approach to it is you take it ultra seriously and write mm -hmm. the most horrific thing you've ever heard and then everyone's like I never want to listen to that again similar to like it's like the requiem of a dream of like mm -hmm. lyric writing and like oh great art oh, I'm never watching that again sure, <laughs> I'm never sure. listening to that again it's too uh it's too disturbing and horrible so I think You've got to be extreme in one way. You make it really silly and fun. You make it really serious and horrible and like just nauseating. And you can't just be middle of the road and be like, and then someone stabbed someone and they were blunt. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So is like striking that balance then like what you think kind of defines metal? Like, you know, if you were going to try and like pin down the genre and how it compares with other genres, like you know, let's say, like, pop, rock, rap, hip-hop? Um, I don't know, because that's pigeonholing every metal band into needing to write gory lyrics, because, like, mm. that's only really in the sort of death metal sort of section, and even there in the death metal world, there's, there's bands not doing that. And then you look at, like, post-metal lyrics or um, sort of 
like mathcore bands all do their own thing, the more lean to the punky political side of things. And grindcore bands have like a whole array of like going from political to like you have your concepts albums, like you have Vector, like Thrash Metal, they're not writing about that. Uh, heavy mm. metal. Uh, that'd be quite funny to have a Thrash Metal write about <laughs> sort of gory stuff. But um, yeah, so I, I don't think, I think whatever you're doing in whatever in whatever genre you need to commit to what you're doing like vector mm. fully commit to here's a like ridiculous sci-fi adventure um like between the buried and me spend like ages writing these like ridiculous concept albums with like loads of callbacks um so it, yeah i think you just need to have faith in what you're doing fully commit to it because i didn't have a lot of faith in what I was doing on the album. There's some parts which I don't like as much as others because I was just sort of writing it to fill out space in the songs mm. instead of really thinking about what I was writing. Um, but at the same time, some of the best lyrics are just like, oh, you're just like singing words along to what you've written and you find words that sound good in certain places and make sentences out of them. And then you're like, I don't know what this means. And then later on, you come back and be like, oh, subconsciously, I must have like thought this, and it's actually quite a good lyric. Um, yeah. Do you think there is like, I mean, you you're right about you know the different genres. I uh, thrash for, yeah for certainly doesn't have the the gore stuff as much, um, etc. But is there is there like a running undercurrent of some kind of style to metal that would be say you could. Do you think you could tell a metal band's lyrics, an extreme metal band's lyrics from a non-extreme metal band's lyrics if you compared them, say, with 75% or so accuracy? Is there is there kind of a, a metal feel to the way lyrics are, are conducted in the genre? Or are we at a point where everything goes? Like, That's a good question. I think you'd have trouble with, like... Yeah, I think separating it from, like, rock would be all right. And uh, but I think when you get to punk, there's enough political extreme metal bands that you'd have trouble mm-hmm. telling the difference between punk and metal lyrics. I think there's definitely like metal goes off into more of the um sort of fantastical side of things, but I think there are enough metal bands that just do straight up like political punky lyrics and then there's sort of just that attitude of rebellion to it as a sub genre um overall like it's meant to so a lot of metal bands would probably go for the angle of it's meant to shock and then at the same time it's like uh they're treating it like making a horror movie in an audio form but then you think of that and then you go well well that's going to cross over into a lot of like industrial music and and um sort of even like industrial rap projects that are coming up now with like extremely metal lyrics and stuff. Mm. Um, there is a lot of, I think there's a lot of crossover. Maybe maybe in the like 80s and 90s, you would have been able to tell them apart a lot easier because everyone was prescribing more to the, um, the uh, genres that would, because the genres were just being created. There was so much room, mm. you didn't really need to experiment much past that because everything you were doing was new. Um, and now there's so much blending of the genres that it's quite hard to I don't think I'd be able to pick apart 
obviously with that much accuracy because it depends what you're comparing it to. There's so much crossover in the different subgenres. Mm. And so you mentioned earlier, like, you know, your relationship to your lyrics that you've written, um, you know, off the album and stuff. So I suppose, like, to start getting into that, like, when did you first start writing lyrics? Uh, probably it was for the split prior to the album because um, our old vocalist wrote the first EP. I did a bit on the first EP, mm. but he wanted it to be very carcassy and sort of just silly gorgon lyrics um which was fun for a bit and then we did the something after that and then um the split was sort of he wrote one of the songs and i wrote the other one but they were very much written as like placeholder sort of lyrics so i could perform the song live and they're just silly gory things and then they got to the album and i was like well I can just write about anything I want. Uh, then I was like, well, I'm just going to write. Sort of, and that was about when I started, um, started coming out as trans. So I was like, well, I'm going to write stuff about that vaguely. Mm. Uh, and then compare that and like sort of make it about more, more vague and more about any kind of struggles people have. And then... Uh, I ended up just sort of I got more confident as I went on with the album writing the lyrics I think the lyrics get better the further through the process I was when I wrote them but uh, it seems to have worked we get a lot of messages from people saying they really connect to the lyrics and it helped them through hard times uh, whether it be them being marginalised or like going through the loss of a loved one or going through any kind of hard things they find something to latch onto in the lyrics which is really cool Hmm. That actually segues really well into um, the question we're going to ask right before we get into some of the more specific choices you made in the lyrics, which is that, you know, historically, due to some of the, you know, carcassy gore stuff we've talked about, there's been arguments that metal lyrics, like, don't mean anything, or they're just like a horror movie, but your lyrics obviously, um, you know, have a bit more of a personal uh, background to them, singing about things that you've gone through, uh, and just kind of wondering was it tricky to switch kind of into that was it was it difficult to um speak about like yourself um and you your you know what you've experienced uh in metal or was that something you found that just became quite natural to the genre or the music that your band makes um it was more tricky just feeling confident enough to talk about things um yeah i think it was a natural like because for the subject of what the lyrics can be in this sort of music, that's fine, because, like, um, there's a lot of personal and, like, uh, political messages in the genre already. It's just mm -hmm. having the confidence to really commit to it and uh, make it specific enough with, while keeping the vagueness that other people can use to connect to whatever they're going through. Okay. So there was always an intent to uh, leave even the like more personal stories open to some level of interpretation? Yeah, because I was at the same time, I don't want to just be writing my life story out and putting that much of myself down. I put a lot of myself down on the, on the paper, but uh, yeah, I didn't want to make it too specific. Hmm. 
Well, yeah, leading into like more discussion of your lyrics, um, to start off, we did want to just chat about like writing lyrics for math course specifically, because I think if I'm not mistaken, Wes, correct me if I'm wrong, you're the first person we've spoken to who writes for math core music. So yeah, um, yeah we, we wanted to know like what it's like writing lyrics that fit into like math core um, music, just given that like, you know, the style is kind of known for the use of irregular time signatures, syncopations, uh, tempo changes that kind of generate that um, complex and fluctuating rhythm. So um, yeah, is there anything that you have to kind of take into consideration that you think would be, I suppose, slightly different from the kind of process that other lyricists who are writing for, you know, other less technical genres might have to go through? Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you've got a, well, I play guitar as well, so I've got mm. to figure out if there's a there's some there's a couple parts which I thought would be impossible to sing and play at the same time that I've managed to figure out since. But yeah, it's really I was hard enough to sing and play in four four, let alone mm. everything else. Um, but because of that, I think the lyrics are very tied in very closely with the rhythms of the song um, and the rhythms of the guitar part. So I think it just accentuates what's already there. Um, there's definitely a different style of writing lyrics to if I was just writing without having to play at all, because then you could be a bit more freeform with where you're placing. Whereas I have to be like, well, I can't start a word if there isn't. A hit on the guitar because that's going to be really horrible to try and mm. hit and then say something and then hit the guitar again um mm. yeah you've got to take all that into account which makes it quite hard um that's the main consideration just if it's playable um well that's a detriment to how the lyrics come out because and there there are parts where i'm like well i don't think i'm gonna be able to play this but i'm gonna record it like that anyway and then see if i can figure it out because Sounds good. Do you have to go through any kind of like technical, um, I suppose, process whereby like, so other lyricists we've spoken to that are writing to more regular and predictable rhythms have said that they do like syllable counts and stuff like that to kind of make sure that the words that they're writing kind of fit to the music and stuff. Do you have to do anything like that to make sure it's going to fit? Okay, yeah. Loads of counting, loads of like, it needs to be, the sentence needs to be like four syllable word, two syllable word. Something one syllable, something two syllable to add up right uh, and feel right over it. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of that. Um, there's definitely more because all the songs are written before I start on the vocals, mm. so that makes it easier to link them up. And sometimes you have to make concessions of like, well, I'm not going to be able to fit this in. And despite this being what I want the song to be about, I'll just mess out a word of the sentence and write it all down. So there's a lot of things on the lyric sheet where I formatted it all nicely. But that's not actually what's in the song because I've just had to cut words um, because it's not going to line up. It's actually what I was going to ask, sense. like, is, is it even possible? We've, we've talked to people that write the lyrics and then write the music and people that write the music and then the lyrics and people that do kind of back and forth. But I'm wondering, have, have you ever been able to write the lyrics before the music, given how, like, the time signature issues that come up? Or is it always after the music is written? There's been parts where I'll write stuff, but then it has to be heavily adapted. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can't get too attached to it as it is like that can go on the lyric sheet but it's going to have to be ch- chopped and changed in some way to fit the song mm. 
Is that ever like really difficult? Like when you come up with a line that you really, really have you ever come up with a line that you really, really love and then find that just, it just does not fit anywhere signature wise? Oh yeah. Yeah, that's happened. That's happening at the moment because I'm writing the <laughs> lyrics for the second album and I'm like, oh my God, that's really good. But it just doesn't fit. Mm. But, you know, it will still go on the lyric sheet because that's what Converge do. They just write lyrics. Like, Have you seen the lyrics for Cog? like converge there's like three paragraphs of them and then in the song he sings one sentence of it over and over it's <laughs> like, oh, it there <laughs> it's like well, what was the point right of all but just, uh, yeah good enough interesting okay so the lyric sheet uh won't actually match the lyrics necessarily no but it'll contain everything that was in the lyric okay mm. but it might have more yeah so I guess in, in a way, like is is the full art of pupil slicer um both audible and something that you have to read? Yeah. Cause yeah, there's there's stuff in in the lyric sheet that isn't in the song, but that's the but I feel like the performances convey the meaning of what was on the lyric sheet, even mm. if some of the words are messed out. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I, I've never. I mean, that's metal not being um, audible is is something we don't. Well, kind of. We talked to we talked to one band that does puns and stuff. So like, you have to read the lyrics to see the kind of the yeah. spelling puns. Um, but it's interesting the idea that yeah. like this musical genre is uh is in part performed through the written form, right? Yeah. Well, because lyrics are just poetry at the end of the day, anyway. Hmm. I mean, it kind That's of makes sense in, in metal anyway, right? Because, like, we already have this kind of common practice of people reading the lyrics kind of independently almost of, like, listening to the music. Yeah. So, mm. well, like, speaking of, uh, you know, having trouble fitting lyrics um, to a song, um, some of the songs of your first uh, self-titled EP are some of the shortest that we've seen on this podcast. Um, mm. So most are about, like, one to two minutes long, um, but some are only, like, 30 seconds long. Um, so, yeah, obviously we said that um, you didn't write all the lyrics for this one, but um, is it generally just challenging to write lyrics when you have such kind of limited musical real estate? Um, and do you think it, there's more pressure then to kind of select just the right words? Um, no, I think it's quite freeing because you can just have an idea get the core concepts of it because hmm. i find it harder when I, I can find it harder with a lot of longer songs to then like was there enough content in this idea for this song to fill out this much amount of song mm. um, and sometimes there just isn't and you have to like scrap it and put that on a different song or yeah like because you want every every sentence to be in the song for a reason uh like even if the reason is it sounds sick rhythmically here <laughs> and doesn't mean much you you need like if it's if it's not if it's not got a reason at some point then it needs to go because it can be replaced by something better so i mean given that you say it's a little more difficult um why did you switch to longer songs for the album Mirrors? Because Mirrors, uh, the songs are all about three minutes to seven minutes long. There's none of the two-minute songs or three-second songs. Was it like a conscious decision that you're going to like, all right, we're going to make longer songs? Or um, did it just kind of just happen? how they came out. I was just maturing as a songwriter as well because on the first EP, I 
couldn't play guitar very well and I didn't know how to write a song and I didn't know how to join up different sections of songs so I was like well I'll just make them 30 seconds long then and I only have to have like two ideas in the song and then it's done whereas I got as I got more confident about songwriting I was like well I've got all these like ideas in this key at this tempo that can connect up and then uh and now I'm getting to the point with the second album where I'm like, oh, I need to start cutting some of these songs down because I think it goes on a bit long. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. It's, it's a different approach of... Yeah, it's just getting more confident about... Like, even on the album, on uh, the first album, there's still so much packed into each of those songs. Like, there's very rarely a riff that happens, like, twice. So there's like three albums worth of riffs in one album. Uh, and I think I'm getting more confident being like, okay, if this riff's good enough, I can play it twice. <laughs> That's the dream. That's right. When I hear a good riff, I'm usually okay with it coming up at, yeah, least, at least two hundred. times. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That was a lot of people. Well, some people really like that about our album. They're like, oh, it's great. It's just like every time you're like, wow, what an amazing rip. And then it's gone and it leaves you mm. wanting more. And there's other people who are just like, I wanted to hear it again. I'm so upset. <laughs> <laughs> um, your band is also kind of one of the few bands that we've interviewed, despite that this is an extreme metal podcast that has a lot of lyrics dealing with kind of violence and gore. Um you know, obviously, just even from the band's name, uh, Pupil Slicer, uh, what kind of drew your band uh, to this sort of topic? I, I know it's it's changed a bit over time. You mentioned changing singers, but it, I'd say as a whole, kind of violence is something that is a theme we see across um, most lyrics mm. that have come out so far. Uh, well, on the, on the first EP, it was just meant to be sending all kinds of stuff that was over the top. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, I think using that as a, a vehicle on the uh, on the album, it was more uh, a way to convey emotional aspects, political issues, societal issues, personal issues, um, and then just make it all hyperbolic and take it to the extreme to make it more entertaining to read and listen to. Um, so it's, it's keep, in keeping with the spirit a bit more of metal, whilst also touching on more sensitive topics through that lens. Was that a discussion like that the band had as a whole? Like, let's let's do it in this kind of way, or is it just sort of? No, I just it... write everything. Okay. So <laughs> they just they they find out what the lyrics are when I get in the studio and record them, and even <laughs> then I don't like being watched when I'm recorded, so they hear it when it when we get the first mixes back. <laughs> <laughs> okay so there's no there's no like uh you know interband communication feedback on it it's just all like this is not on the lyrical content no okay um, hmm. there is more in the second like uh our bassist is like well sent over like lists of phrases and stuff that he thought were cool for like potential song names or things and then from there i've like picked a couple of them and turned them into stuff in the song so Yes, there was a bit of that, but there wasn't really a back and forth of like, mm-hmm. oh, do you think this use of this is good? It's just, I've used it. Uh, you'll see it when the first album's done. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, talking briefly about the EP before we get more into um, the album, um, 
we were discussing before the interview that we think you have one of the most disturbing band names that we've featured so mm. far, um, especially for those of us who don't like eye stuff. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, the, to be fair, the band name works really well in setting up the expectations for the lyrical content of the EP, um, which features yeah. a lot of eye-related gore and violence in almost every song. Um, so, for example, those for those listening, um, the first track, Subterranean uh, Suffocation, mentions uh, simmering, slithering, the eyelids sewn. Um, so you said that you wanted to do kind of like silly, gore, grindy stuff on the EP, but was there any particular reason for which you wanted to focus um, on violence to the eyes in particular? Because we had a funny band name that, it was about eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it was about as deep as it goes. Uh, I, well, why, why did you come up with an eye band name then, I guess? Was... Yeah. It was the most horrible band name I could think of. <laughs> it was easy as that. We were thinking of like lists of like funny names for bands, and then I came up with that one. I was like, that's too good not to use. It's great. It's horrible. <laughs> Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so, so imagine we're imagine we're talking. No, imagine someone is listening to this podcast who who knows nothing about metal. Like like um I don't know some you know kindly, you know uh, older person who who up till now like the the hardest thing they've heard is the Beatles, right? And and they hear you say, I chose the band name because it's the most horrible thing I could think of. <laughs> How do you like? Why does a metal band? decide on a name that is the most horrible thing that they could think of where like what makes a horrible name a good name um because no one's going to pay attention if you've got a mediocre metal band name (laughs) if you were called like person stabber (laughs) not less like oh it's all right yeah it's not like it's not as visceral. It's not going to stick with people. Like I think we got a lot of gigs earlier on just because we had a funny name to put on the poster. And people were like, oh, what a horrible name. I need to see what this sounds like. I really, I would totally listen to per- Person Stabber. That's, <laughs> I guess, ironically, kind of amazing. If that was the gimmick. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just so bland. It's it's like incredibly amazingly bland in, in the genre. It's very genre. straight to the point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah okay so i mean is the is there a little bit of like like yeah i guess not shocking for people that listen to metal but is the the desire to kind of like stand out immediately kind of part of what goes into writing metal lyrics in a way do you think yeah the the i think that's that happens in every genre because Mm. there's just so much content you need something to set you apart you need a reason for people to care like one of the main things um i think i've heard before i can't remember where from but it's like why should people care about your band and then you have to be like well that's how you figure out how to make something people will care about you're like why would people care well funny name and then you're like well lyrics make them personal and like stuff that's not really been covered in the genre musically take influences from like multiple sources that haven't really been put together before and uh find find your own niche doing that because that's how you get an audience because if you do something 
someone else has done a thousand times you can be really good at it but it's going to be a lot harder Mm-hmm. To be a melodic death metal band that sounds exactly like Black Dahlia Murder and not just be compared to that. Mm. And uh, yeah, you have to find your niche, I think. Mm. Well, yeah, in, in contrast to that first okay. um, EP, the, the lyrics from your um, album release, Mirrors, um, definitely. A, appear to be like more specific vulnerable and you know as you suggested earlier more kind of personal accounts of like inner turmoil um you know mental health struggles um lyrics like um tear apart pray you seek callous fucking memory you're not me from martyrs uh false living i'm scared that i'm just becoming neurotic it's fucking over my life fucking thought in my head as i'm pulling out the dull knife and stabbing spiders that crawl on my skin and of course uh, the song title le Pelle du vide um call of the void in english if i'm not mistaken refers to the psychological phenomenon that involves a sudden urge to jump or fall from a high place um so are we right to read these lyrics as, you know, this kind of personal exploration of mental suffering? Um, you said before that you consider them certainly quite personal. So, yeah, what's your kind of um, explanation for these kinds of lyrics? Yeah, I figured if I wrote stuff that was more personal, dealing with that kind of stuff, you'd give a better performance because I wanted to make... Mm. Because when it's just random gore-grindy stuff, you can have, it's fun, but it's like, how do you get an emotional performance out of that? And I think mm. an emotional element to music is something that's always important. Like, it, and even with like Black Diamond Murder, like the emotion there is the fun of it. And you can hear Travis having the best time of his life recording those vocals. But if I'm like, oh, they're all right then I'm not going to give the performance that's going to be like wild and over the top and really intense and fun. So I Mm. think I decided to just go another route of making stuff that was more intensely personal and then that would get a better performance out in the studio. And it worked, I think. Have you ever found cases where it might have like backfired in a way and that we, we've talked to some artists that have done personal stories that eventually like years and years later, they find they can't put themselves in that mindset again anymore, or perhaps even don't want to re- kind of revisit that. Is that a, is that a risk that comes with making the stories more personal than, you know, the zombie stabby slicey pupil kind of thing? I think so, but at the same time, I've written vague enough that mm-hmm. they're not about, specific things and then at the same time it's so technical playing the songs and singing them that it's quite hard to get emotionally connected to them whilst performing Uh, and it's definitely a performance of looking emotional um because I'm like I'm having to play this like ridiculous part and like sing this at the same time remember to be exactly on the mic and then remember to like Mm. Like not just stand with your legs together, you've got to like have a wider stance, <laughs> and then you've got to remember to like interact with the crowd properly. And there's just so much going on in the live scenario; it's quite hard to like be like, "This song's about this. I'm feeling this at the moment." Um, it's more just a technical performance of everything. Um, okay. So yeah, I don't think that's an issue with my lyrics. I don't think I would get come back to them and be like, oh, "I don't connect to this anymore." Okay. Well, one other change we noticed in your lyrics becoming more personal is a is a massive increase in the use of uh, the word fuck. 
Um, on your first EP, <laughs> there was not any swearing at all. Uh, but on Mirrors, there were 13 instances of the word fuck or fucking across the album. Um, what kind of do you think brought about this sudden uptake in the use of swearing and particularly the use of, of the word fuck? Angry. <laughs> More angry. The angry lyrics. And uh, listening to too much Nine Inch Nails. <laughs> but was the EP not angry? I don't think it was. It's more storytelling. It was like narrated, mm. like things happening. But I don't think it had an emotional attitude to it. It was like portraying events that were like dramatic and horrific. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't anger directed at anyone or anything. And then the album definitely is anger directed at specific people, specific things. Hmm. Well, it's interesting because like swearing is something that we talk about a lot on this podcast um, because people seem to have very kind of polarizing views on it in metal because just about everyone we've interviewed kind of uh, swears in their everyday life. Um, but a lot of people we've spoken to say that they tend to avoid swearing in their lyrics because, you know, despite recognize it as a common kind of metal trope, they think that it's, you know, um, maybe too common to like keep using but on the other hand we have also spoken to people who have expressed kind of similar views to you that like you know well-placed swear word can convey some kind of important sense of like emotionality right um so is that generally your view on swearing more broadly or yeah do you have a different perspective yeah i was thinking i know i should try as well as because i do too much um uh but i think in lyrics, I don't want it to be in there for the sake of being in there. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it just sounds really good. It's a powerful word. It's, it's powerful to use a swear word, and it like has a certain bite to it that you don't get from just saying another word that sounds similar in that same space. So it's either it sounds really good where it's placed, or it's needed for the emotional context to really come through powerfully. Um, so I'm not really putting it in there just for the sake of putting it in there. It's either it sounds really good in this position or it adds to the emotional context here. Hmm. Um, Does swearing make the lyrics... So if, if, I oh, can have, if, if there isn't a way to put it in there, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not... I would rather they don't have swear words in because then it makes it easier for like radio players. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but sometimes it's like, well, I'm not compromising the art for that sake. So. Mm. D- does swearing make the lyrics to you though feel more um, like, I-, I guess not to go use the word personal too much, but like if, if, if there's swearing in it, does it feel more authentic rather than telling a story about again, like, you know, uh, kind of gore grind violence? Yeah. Because it's a more personal delivery of of the feeling of uh, yeah yeah it's conveying the emotionals more the, the emotional content more honestly I think hmm. uh, I think almost all of your songs if not all are written from the first person perspective so wherein the singer um, is you know I or me uh, telling is the telling the one telling the story um, and in fact I think six of the seven songs from your eponymous EP and 
10 of the 12 tracks um, off Mirrors are written primarily just in first person. Um, so was this also kind of part of that process of delivering this uh, kind of deeply personal uh, and emotional performance? Um, I don't know if it was conscious. I just end up writing a lot of stuff with I and you and stuff if I'm talking about specific things from specific angles. Uh, I've worried, I've thought like, oh, is it too much to just do every song like that? So I am conscious of it and trying to think, well, does it have to be that way? Is that, but for a lot of stuff, it does make more sense in that co- in that uh, context. Have it um, coming from that perspective. But then on the second album, now I'm writing the lyrics. There's more. I've planned out the album more as a whole, and like an arc of the story and the beginning and the end, and then like which parts are first person from which characters in the story. And, I've gone a lot more in depth with the lyrics, but that's because the second album's being written from all the songs are done, then I write all the lyrics. Whereas the first album was like, oh, I finished this song, I need to write lyrics before practice in two weeks so we can play at this gig in three weeks. Uh, so the lyrics were like, there are overarching themes on the album, but it wasn't written as a singular art piece. Mm. Okay. I mean, you, we've talked about lyrics kind of being, you know, personal on this new album, but when you use I, is I actually you, or is it a character that in some way relates to you? Yeah, it's not me. It's a character. Mm-hmm. It's hmm. uh, the protagonist is whoever the listener is, I think. Or if the listener wants to put themselves in their shoe, or the, or the listener wants to go, I relate to the protagonist of this song. And the eye definitely switches perspective in different songs, at different points in different songs, uh, to be different characters throughout the album. Oh, so so um, not within a song, but a- across tracks. Uh, within songs as well. Wounds has like multiple angles. Okay. Ah. Uh, and then we did that with Luke singing some of the vocals and then me singing the others. All right. So how do you navigate between all of these different kind of perspectives, you know, even within one song? Uh, I usually just put it in quote lines in the mm-hmm. lyrics sheet uh, when it's a different perspective. Mm. Um, It's not particularly hard to navigate. It's just there's different characters in this like story of the song. Hmm. When you bring another band member in to sing, do you explain kind of what's going on, or you just say, "Hey, you're saying these things"? I think I did just say, "Hey, I'm set." You just think this is the line. Uh, but then sometimes I think I did give more context. But yeah, most of the time it was just like, "Can you sing this bit?" Okay. Hmm. Well, we can definitely see some of those like shifts in perspective, like on a larger scale, you know, one of the contrasts that we noticed, um, you know, in looking at the lyrics, you know, written um, from some of the songs in the EP, um, 
and the first album is that the lyrics from the EP involve the um, the person embodied in I and Me um, kind of committing violent acts as suggested in lines like I so eyes vision to the soul uh, from death lust and I know in my heart that killing is wrong alas my disease my thirst I cannot slate and there are repeated references <laughs> so silly <laughs> <laughs> completely well, forgot about them I haven't sung any of those in like seven years six years well it's kind of interesting yeah when you look back because uh, yeah a lot of the lines do kind of imply like committing acts or yeah. imply culpability in those acts whereas like on mirrors um there are several songs where it seems like some kind of unknown person addressed as you is the one performing violence that the singer the or the I the protagonist is kind of a victim of and is fighting back against so just for an example the line um the work will never be done finding new beings to corrupt and taking them down to your level of malignant rancor of martyrs is immediately followed by a line die narcissistic fucking waste controlling every little thing i do and in panic defense you have lines like i can't say no let me go get away uh, in confidence, you let me in, made me pray. Uh, that seems to detail the narrator's um, assault murder. Um, so what motivated you to kind of shift towards kind of detailing the scenes where the um, some of the perspectives involve the narrator taking the role of um, the victim um, rather than the perpetrator of violence? Well, it's just more personal. It's about issues of world, issues with abuse and... Uh... Like, uh, like being trans, like panic defense is about panic defense, if you know what that means. Mm-hmm. Like, where, so it's, uh, it's just talking about, it wouldn't be great to write an album about these issues and then put it from the perspective of people committing the bad things, but maybe, maybe that would be another way of doing it. It's just not the way I'd feel comfortable mm-hmm. delivering it. Um, mm. Yeah, it's just like the perspective from which I exist and observe the things happening in the world, then projected onto a character like a protagonist of the song, and then you've hyperbolized everything going on. Well, some of it's hyperbolized, and that's just like straight up. Some people kill people and then say, oh, they were gay, they were trans, so I killed them. And then they're like, oh, no problem, all good. And that's what happens with the US legal system, right? Yeah. So when, right. when you're using these U's, you, you definitely, and these I's, sometimes you definitely do have a specific person or group of people in mind that you are sometimes specifically oh, yeah. critiquing and targeting. And I just make it more obvious than in some songs than other songs, because some songs are more personal and I don't want to be as clear with who that's addressing. And leave room for people to attach it to own things in their lives. But then with other songs like Panic Defense, I put Panic Defense in the title and the song's clearly about that. So it's very directed at like the US legal system and stuff like that. Um, yeah, there's a, there's, a, there's a mix of like, but there's always in my mind something what there there is. I know what the songs are about, but some of them I won't say as clearly as others because I want people to be able to add their own meanings in there. So is the clarity of the title then in some ways a hint to readers or listeners about how much you're kind of willing to give away? Maybe, yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, one thing we're also wondering is is with this kind of eye, this taking the perspective of of an actor uh, in these songs. Often, um, we noted a lot of tracks. Uh, there are there are seven actually across six of the twelve songs in the album where you used rhetorical questions such as "What is this I'm seeing?" or "It couldn't get better from here, right?" Is there an effect you aim for with these kind of questions, or just is it a natural consequence of using the first person? I think the rhetorical questions are more a reflection of like uh, an inner dialogue mm -hmm. going on in the song, like different trains of thought within uh, within that perspective that makes up the primary perspective of the song. Well. Going back to something that you mentioned earlier, like, you know, regarding using the quotes and stuff, um, we're just wondering, like, with that, though, like, because it's something that you can see certainly on the lyric sheet, but not something that you can necessarily, like, perceive just by, like, listening to your vocal delivery. Um, is there any, like, potential then for the chance, like, that somebody will, like, kind of misinterpret um, the lyrics or, like, um, how the different kind of voices relate to each other? No, because no one will know what I'm saying unless they read the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> excellent good, answer. Yeah, great, good point <laughs> yeah so, i guess we kind of mentioned this this like the the writing the written lyrics being part of people slicers art then um but would you say personally that you hope the people do go and read what you've written then is i mean obviously you know not not like demand it but is it something you hope they do or have you come had people come up and said, Hey, I read the lyrics and I, I really connected with what you've written rather than what you've sung. Um, I, I think if, if you're interested, read them. If not, then enjoy the songs because I don't miss, I don't read like the majority of anything that I listen to. And I've got no idea what they're saying. I find it really hard to even like, because uh, I'm autistic, like I like just watching like a film with I have to watch it with subtitles. So if I'm listening to like a pop song, even though they're singing cleanly, I can't hear what they're saying. I can't mm. work out the words. So for me, a majority of music is whatever meaning I prescribe to it. And then if I go and read the lyrics later on, so I really like it and want to know what it's about, then I'll do that. So I think other people can do that if they want. But I feel like emotionally the performance on the album also conveys whatever it is i'm trying to convey either mm. way there's other people like oh it's such a great emotional delivery on the album they haven't read the lyrics but i'm like oh good you got that out of it so mm. and then you just got the song titles to sort of go off and then you can make up what you think the song's about <laughs> or whatever words you can grasp out of it oh, so, so you're, you're very you give the listener a lot of freedom then in understanding yeah. the song in their own way. Yeah. Has anyone ever like kind of come up to you with like an interpretation of like songs or lyrics and stuff that you think is like way far afield of like mm. what you kind of imagine the song to be about? Uh, not really. People are pretty bang on. People <laughs> just turn up and be like, oh, is this song about this? I think it is. And I'll be like, yeah. Pretty much every time it's like, yeah, you got it. Okay. okay. Now, don't tell other people. You've got to work it out. They've got to work it out as well. 
there's actually uh again links to something it, it's interesting all these these comments you're making kind of link into mm. the, the next question we had because one thing we noted in lyrics uh in general is that your language use is pretty straightforward which maybe helps with interpretation is then the majority of vocabulary are things we might see in everyday conversation so for instance like the opening lines of mirrors are more fun than television has my conflicted being body and blood i try to fake with earnest it's never good enough which you know most english speakers are, are pretty you know conversational terms um but you still in some cases use less common multisyllabic words uh like malignant rancor renewed ardor typhon of uh, enmity and so we're wondering how do you decide when to use kind of the simpler terms that appear more commonly uh, and when do you decide to use kind of these bigger terms that we see you know uh there's the metal stereotype of the the huge gigantic thesaurus words in the titles puritanical euphoric misanthropia kind of stuff but the when do you do you try to strike a balance do you prefer the simpler words or is there an effect you are aiming for by switching back and forth between them at sometimes i think there's just the issue of a lot of the parts of this music there is no room for anything more than like one to three syllables in a word because they're just you can't fit it um unless you stretch a word out over like three bars of the song uh so there just isn't room for it so but i do think it, it, it conveys something a lot clearer using the more basic language but then there is times where it's like well i've got this idea but it sounds too straightforward too it's not elevated enough like uh like if, if you were going to say, like, instead of malignant rancor, you could be, like, your bad attitude. That would really, <laughs> like, convey with the same, like, weight that you get from, like, malignant rancor or, like, the typhoon of enmity. Mm-hmm. You could be, like, I was upset. <laughs> They're not, it's, like, there are times where you're, like, well, I've got the idea of what the lyrics should be here but it needs to be elevated a bit. It needs more character to the way it's delivered to really make it stand out and like really convey the exact emotion as opposed to just like a more basic interpretation. There's more depth to it then. I mean, in some of those cases, it seems like it's kind of underselling the emotionality, but if you were to write it using more kind of basic language, if you like, like, I mean, I... I'm upset versus like typhoon of enmity. I mean, the latter seems like it's it packs a more powerful emotional punch, right? Yeah. Is that kind of heaviness that that weightiness to kind of borrow the terms that you had there? Is that something you find is really effective for metal, or more broadly just for poetry, or more broadly than that, even just for conveying emotion in any in any context? yeah i think everything like you want to convey the emotion with words that most accurately meet what you think yeah that's exactly what this emotion is that's exactly what the meaning of this is instead of going for something that's like well it gets the idea across but it's not it doesn't have the depth to it that it's not covering all the facets of the idea could, could could they work outside of metal and poetry though? Because like I mean, I, I certainly agree with the idea you're having, but when I've been upset, I've never said like in you know normal conversation, ah, oh, this I'm feeling a typhoon of enmity at the moment. 
Like, it, like no, yeah, I guess in that situation, yeah. But in in the terms in like art, definitely. Yeah. Like and yeah, in terms of art, like in a film, a, a David Lynch film, someone could say that, and you'd be like, "Oh, great dialogue," <laughs> but no one would ever say that. What What about so. like a an Ed Sheeran song though? Could he could he say like, "I'm feeling a typhoon of enmity," and would it come off okay? Instead of I, I've never listened to I don't know his lyrics, but I think I think he says more like "I am sad" kind of thing, right? Uh, I think it depends on the delivery. I think mm. in pop music you do get songs where it's like phrases that wouldn't really typically be said. I think that that's it's a different balance to strike there in pop, where you want stuff to be more as direct as possible but then there'll be other times where you need stuff to convey the emotional stuff so it's a different balance but a similar balancing act oh mm. okay. that, I, I quite i quite like that phrasing that's very yeah. interesting interesting well yeah regarding the multisyllabic words we did notice that there's a particular kind of multisyllabic word that appears quite frequently in your lyrics specifically those that end with shin as in t-i-o-n-s-i-o-n like suffocation termination degradation immolation compulsion prevention inaction discrimination situation affliction generation creation annihilation and dissociation um are you aware of this pattern first off no <laughs> <laughs> Um, do you think there's a it reason? Just sounds for it? good. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sounds good. It's it's really fun to go like lionation. Like, it's fun having it's a fun sound to make. <laughs> a lot of a lot of it is like why you end up with lots of similar words is you yeah. Yeah, hmm. it's it's just finding stuff that sounds right. Interesting. So there's definitely like um big words that also fit the music that you're making kind of yeah interesting yeah are there sounds that don't work like that you've tried to get in and just the sound just is a no-go oh yeah yeah you can write stuff and be like that just doesn't sound good when it's i've written there's like stuff the out second album where i've like i wrote out loads of stuff brainstorm some like great lyrics thought they were fantastic and just none of it sounds good put to music looks great on paper <laughs> but it just doesn't work as lyrics huh. mm. well like does it help out like the the shun words do they help out with the rhyming because like that's something that we also notice kind of appearing pretty consistently yeah. um off you know um both albums uh so like um, you know, on mirrors, you have um, bodies are piling up, ignorant to your next move, carcasses in lost and found without a beating heart to soothe. Um, and in fact, I think every song of, um, yeah, both releases includes at least one instance of rhyme. Um, so, yeah, is that that kind of what's happening there? Uh, I don't know if I'm picking them specifically to make them rhyme, but... Um, uh, like similar words but I'm definitely intending to rhyme certain parts because it makes uh, I don't know I think it gives more structure to the lyrics over something that's already quite loose in terms of structure and like things not repeating and stuff so it's good to have some grounding in there to tie it all together 
Oh, interesting. So, so the rhyme kind of conflicts with what's going on in the music in a way. Um, I don't. It doesn't conflict it, but it helps strengthen where a musical phrase comes up twice, and then you have the lyrics rhyme on those, and then it's clearer that it's recalling an idea or repeating something. Mm. Um, so that there's more structure to what you're hearing and it's not complete chaos. Um, okay. So so without the, without the kind of the rhyme in the songs, the songs you think would, would have less kind of co- like a, a, a core, I guess, or like something holding them together? Yes, yeah, less co- cohesion to it all, I think, if that wasn't there. Um, and so even if you can't understand the lyrics, you can still hear the sounds of the words so you would be able to pick up on like the same sounds like rhyming at the end of things without knowing what the words are because in an audio way like just auditory like they sound similar i'm gonna kind of apologize for this next question because it's so hypothetical that it's it's honestly just kind of dumb to even try asking but bear with me uh if you were in a completely different metal band that did have a more traditional structure, do you feel like that would give you the ability to rhyme less? I don't know. I like rhyming anyway. Okay. It makes it easier to write lyrics. Because you can just like figure out what the next line is just by finding a word that sounds similar and then making a sentence to connect them up. Okay, Ooh. cool. Thank you for yeah putting up with that. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah, well, like I mean, speaking of other kind of like layers um, to your lyrics, we notice as well that a lot of the um, rhyme is um, paired with alliteration as well, and you can see this like most clearly on tracks like um, "Subterranean Suffocation," which includes phrases like "simmering," "slithering," "the eyelids sewn," uh, "bloodstained bone," "mutilated muscle." Um, is again this this something that you're um, including kind of intentionally or consciously, and if so, like what kind of effect do you reckon it adds to? the overall feel of the lyrics i think that's another thing where even if you can't hear what the lyrics are saying um it makes for a more entertaining lesson mm. it, it, it's something to latch on to even if you don't know what the words are okay i guess uh, the the final sort of trend we noted in your lyrics looking at them is that you have a tendency towards an active present voice so for on mirrors for instance uh 10 of the 12 songs are in the present tense with only panic defense and the closer collective unconscious referencing the past and there's a lot of use of verbs in the ing form uh 21 on martyrs as in striking skulls and perfect rim- uh, rhythm icker pooling in the drain beating out a f- song to please him innocence of the victim failing and 82 uses of words ending in ing on the album as a whole uh, do you know what might, I guess, what does this surprise you at all? And, and do you know what might draw you to this kind of uh, present active tense in the way that you uh, tell these stories? I think it makes the songs more direct, and that's a very direct album. Um, and then ing verbs is just, it's another thing that sounds good with the shun verbs. Ing and shun? Um, <laughs> ing and shun. Yeah, they, 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 they go to Hmm. So I suppose as a kind of like wrap up question, um, what would you say um, 
or what would you what would you say is like the ultimate kind of role of language um, and lyrics in people's slices music? And I suppose what would you say is the role of language and lyrics in metal music more broadly beyond that? Um, for us, I think it's providing something, providing an emotional core to the music that you might get like some idea just musically, but really the emotional core of it's in the lyrics and then that gives new context to all the rest of the instrumentation um sort of elevates everything that's the great in the sum of its parts like reading the lyrics on their own or hearing an instrumental version of the song uh it's the emotional context which then gives the instrumentation more weight and uh and i think on the whole across metal it's probably similar like where you want the lyrics to be informing the tone and um the meaning of the song which then in turn in turn sort of amplifies whatever's doing done instrumentally um and you want it all to be greater than some of its parts hmm. And is that is that how you feel kind of lyrics the role of lyrics in, in metal uh, in other bands as well? Or is Pupil Slicer kind of particular in that? Uh, well, in, in bands where it's less emotional in the lyrics, I still feel like they're providing the same service of adding to the rhythmic or uh, just the 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 timbre of, of of the music to sort of add texture and then elevate as a whole. So, like, that's, that's quite a basic answer when you boil it down to me being like, yeah, lyrics are there to make the song sound better. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, it's still it a pretty bad. unique perspective, yeah. though, because I mean, we have spoken to people who are just like, um, you know, lyrics are relatively just additional decoration you know rather than kind of integral to the overall feel of the music and that kind of mm. thing so mm -hmm. you know it's still a valid perspective I guess is the point of making <laughs> yeah I mean yeah it's it is a question right what what would mm. metal be without I mean the music the music obviously as you said at the very beginning of this interview you know at first you kind of don't even know what's saying you need to get used to the screaming but um it is there right so so what would metal be without uh words I suppose is kind of the question I don't know. Um, there are bands I like without without vocals, but I think I tend to gravitate towards ones more where they find it harder to for for instrumental bands to hold my attention for as long as something where there's a uh, some some voice in there to of add additional context and mix things up because yeah that's the thing you can give multiple different styles of vocal delivery across an album but if there's no vocals there and the instrumentation is fairly similar throughout the album it's a lot less dynamic mm -hmm. mm. So, so so it is like amplifying the album in that sense as well mm. awesome yeah yeah. Well, thanks a lot Nothing for the against to instrumental us. band. It's no, very hard no. for not being an instrumental band <laughs> yeah it's really oh. hard but yeah that's an, another track you have to make all the tracks more dynamic if you're doing that because you have to compensate for the fact that you haven't got an additional layer in there that's doing that for you yeah yeah 
that makes sense yeah, yeah. No, for sure. We don't want. It. We're not. A, we're not anti. No, it's not like not. A, a, an anti animals as leaders podcast or anything like that. No. <laughs> yeah. Well, crashing circles, Britannica. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us. Uh, it's uh, you know I had a it was well, you know during a very very busy time and and uh, stuff mm. like that. So thank you so much. Yeah. No problem. And you mentioned, uh, oh yeah, of course. Uh, you mentioned that you're you're working on a new album. Is is that something that uh, people can look forward to soon, or is it something in development? Uh, probably like mid next year. Uh, so we're we're going in the studio in like a month, and then we've got to finish up like then it's music videos, making the packaging, get merch ready, planning out tours. So it's probably not, yeah, not until like mid next year, but it's it's on the way. Okay, sweet. And um, so until then, um, where's the best place for listeners to kind of keep up with what People Slicer is releasing, um, any upcoming tours, that kind of thing? You can get your one-stop shop for all People Slicer goodness at peopleslicer.co.uk, which should link to merch, music, videos, all the other socials. Um, if you just want to go to the socials, it's just pupil slicer, one word on everything Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, not on TikTok. Maybe we can make one, but I don't know what I'd put on it. Sweet. All right. We'll link that in the description. Wonderful. Yeah. Thanks so much. Wonderful. Yeah. Have a lovely Sunday. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Lingua Italica. We hope you enjoyed it and we hope you stay tuned for our next episode. Before we leave, we just wanted to acknowledge that this podcast is recorded on the unceded lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation and the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. Mm-hmm.